Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Today, God, we're going to talk about the church. And um, just that word, the church, can mean so many things to so many people. And I pray that today it will be set aside and holy and it will be put in our minds and our hearts in the proper place and we would experience in this moment understanding and learning. God, to those that have ears, as your word says, let them hear. Let us hear today. Clear every distraction. Clear every uh, interruption. Clear everything from our hearts and our minds, from our, from our week. And, and God, set this moment, this place, as your holy temple, as your place where you're able to dwell and speak to us. I pray for this. I pray for our hearts to be that place as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk about the church. The Greek word for the church is iglesia. And in Spanish, it's iglesia. So pretty easy, huh? Um, taught you a Spanish word, which means assembly. That's what the word means in the original Greek, is assembly. So the assembly, right? The assembly, the assembly, or an assembly. Now, um, Pastor Jay is uh, in Chicago and with a lot of the staff, and they're at a conference. And um, we had a guest speaker set up, but because um, something happened, the guest speaker couldn't come, so they asked me to see if I could do this and um, help out and chip in. So they sent me some notes, and because of Pastor Jay's notes, I was able to really uh, have just a, um, a foot forward to be able to put this together. So I'm excited today to talk about the church. Um, so the topic is going to be the church. And um, the first one is, what is the church? What is the church referred to in God's holy word? Ephesians 2.19 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So the very first thing that we find and that we see is that we are God's family. God's word refers to the church as God's family. It starts off by saying we are not foreigners anymore. We are not Gentiles. Now, a little bit of background on that. Israel, right? The Jews were God's original people. Anyone that was not of uh, Israel, Israelite or a Jew was considered an unbeliever or a Gentile outside. But because the gospel had come to all, right? Paul was used in that to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Now it says we are no longer strangers and foreigners. So first thing is we're God's family. Somebody say God's family. That means that we're a place where you belong, right? Us together, we belong together. We belong connected together. We are part of one another. We're no longer a foreigner. We're no longer outside. And I don't know how you've experienced life, if you've experienced a life of feeling outside, feeling like you don't fit in, feeling like you're not part of, because in this world, that can happen. It can happen in your very own family. It can happen in uh, circles of friendships, in school, in, in, in neighborhoods, in areas, at workplaces. But here, you are part of God's family. We're not a perfect family, right? Uh, why? Is because God came to save those that are, what, poor in spirit, that are brokenhearted, that are sinful. He said, I come to those that need a doctor, not those that are fine and all together. So it's made up of imperfect, broken sinners. And that's why we're not a perfect family. We never will be a perfect family, but we, our goal is to attain and to grow into becoming that perfect family that God would want us to be. The second one here that we are, or that the Bible refers to, is in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So now it's referring to Christ's body. So when we refer to the church, it's not just the church, but it's also Christ's 
body. So sometimes if we want to put down the church, we're putting down Christ's body. What's another way to say that? We're so special, we are so uh, um, loved and cared for to be called Christ's body. It's very special to be called Christ's body. The next one here is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. It says, together, we are his house. Remember the word together is important. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Why is it the foundation of the apostles and the prophets? Is because the prophets from Old Testament, all the way from Genesis, all the way through, and then the apostles that came later on through the ministry of Jesus have all been talking about, have all been pointing to this house. That's what they realized. The Bible says in, 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 in uh, Peter that the angels were like waiting and, and would love to see how glorious this is that Jesus would set apart and save a family through the gospel. This is the prized possession of Christ. And it says the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are the Lord's temple. Right? So we are God's family. We are Christ's body. We are the Lord's temple. He is the cornerstone. The cornerstone is what holds the building together. It's what we're built on. We're built on Christ, our cornerstone precious if there was any house that was going to be built if there was any building that was ever going to be built on this earth or in all of the world or in all of heaven would be the temple of God there would be no house like the temple of God there would be no building like the temple of God and that's who Christ refers you to as this temple God's temple the Lord's temple. What for a temple? What for a building? What for a house? What for this room that we're in? Is so we can inhabit, so we can live there. So we are not just a temple, but we are a temple that is filled with the very presence of God, the church. As you come to him, uh, so we're going to now look at the next one here in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. Going back, together, back there again where we can be rejected by people, and we are rejected by people. But we are honored and chosen by God. You yourselves as living stones. Who's the living stones? That's right, we are. There you go. We are the living stones. A spiritual house. It's not just a stone that's dead and foreign with no life, but it's a spiritual house. It's alive, living stones that are being built up by a holy priesthood, a separate, that's what holy means, to be set apart, to offer spiritual sacrifices. So because we're living, we're able to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Offer spiritual sacrifices sacrifices everything that we do as we're alive as we're breathing as we're interacting everything we do is a sacrifice is an offering of sacrifice to God it's not done without being unnoticed it's not unnoticed by God there's something alive in it we're alive today and then God just goes off on this next one first Peter 2 9 through 10 I mean he just goes off on what we are and who we are to him but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're a chosen race. Now, the word race or the topic race is very uh, um, touchy 
right? But there's only really one race that God has, and that is you and that is me. It's a a race that we all relate to and come from and are His and are identified in one way or the other. God does not see any difference. He says in in another scripture, whether you're free or whether you're a Gentile or whether you are an Israelite, we're all one in Christ. We have the same Father born by the same Spirit, baptized into one body. We're all one. So, whatever experience you've had with your own race or with racism, God says He has chosen. We are a chosen race. The beautiful thing is that we're chosen race. It's not something we had to be in. God picked us out. He chose us on purpose. He wasn't made to, right? We are a royal priesthood, royalty. The church is royalty. You are royalty to God. Now, there's a lot of ro- there is some royalty, and we get to see a, more or less what that's like, and we read about it in our history books, and it's usually in fairy tales. But obviously, royalty is not just the common, everyday, no big deal, but it's something very special, right? It's higher than the average. It's uh, royal. Right? We have rap songs that talk about royalty. We have uh, uh, royalty is, is what we uh, glamorize when it comes to, um, you know, kingdoms. This is saying we are now a royal priesthood. Whose kingdom and whose royalty? This is God's royalty. So it is the highest royalty that is ever out there. It is the highest kingdom that is ever out there. So when we look at the church, when you look at yourself, when you look at others and we refer to the church, remember, in God's eyes, this is the highest. A holy nation. A nation. A people, right? A country. Who is this nation? It's holy. That means it's set apart. It's not like any other people, any other nation. It's holy. It's set apart for Him and unto a special purpose. And I love this, a people for his possession. We're not just set out as an object to accomplish something or get something done or to be used for a certain purpose, but it's for him, his purpose, his possession. We're not a tool, but we're belonging to the one that made us. Chosen, royal, holy people for his possession. Now, next, How important is the church? How important is the church of God today? Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for it. What would you be willing to sacrifice for someone? What would you be willing to give up for someone? Or something? Would you be willing to give your life? Would you be willing to give the life of one of your loved ones? How about your only child or one of your children? Christ gave himself for the church. That's how much and how important the church is. It's priceless. Somebody say priceless. It is the priceless blood of Jesus. No man on this earth, no kingdom ever that's ever been in this world, in any other world, could ever purchase or be worth the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing that man can create, nothing that man can fathom, there's nothing that we could ever put together in our mind or figure out to be as worth the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing can be matched. No one's ever been perfect. Nothing could ever be uh, exemplified in that way. Nothing could even come close to it. Nothing could ever be the only Son of God. Nothing could ever, no one could ever suffer and fulfill prophecy after prophecy. No one could ever heal as many people as He healed. No one could ever care as much as He's cared. No one could ever match the precious blood of Jesus. Nothing. Just one drop of the blood of Jesus 
you would go bankrupt in all of the world's wealth. Just one drop of the blood of Jesus laughs at what man can put together with all his geniusy. There is nothing more precious in heaven where all the angels look at and worship and glorify and are mesmerized by than one drop of the blood of Jesus. Who would ever think of ever allowing their precious son to drip his blood for a sinner like you and like me, the church? What is our individual part in the church? What is our individual part in the church? Ephesians 4.16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So who is the church? Did I go over that one? Who is the church? I think I missed that one. I did miss that one. Let's go back one. Who is the church? Now you are Christ's body, individual members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, the, uh, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. So who is the church? We are the church. We are the church. See, when we refer to the church as an it, like it hurt me, uh, like um, I don't fit in, or the church is maybe a building, right? The church is maybe a place, or the church is a religion. It's an it. It's an object. Basically, what we're saying is we've been hurt by an individual in the church, right? But we'll say the whole church, when the whole church didn't hurt you, the whole church didn't hurt me, right? So, but we fail to forget is that we are the individual body members of the church. We are the church. So when we say the church ain't no good, we're saying we're no good, right? When we say the church don't work, we say we don't work, right? So we have to realize that we are the church. You're the church. I'm the church. Now, it says that we make up the, uh, we're individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, then teachers, then miracles. It's talking about the gifting that each individual, each, each one of us has that make up this beautiful church. All of us have a gift, at least one or more. All of us have abilities. So what is our individual part in the church? That's the next one. What is our individual part? Ephesians 4, 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So each one of us as an individual has a special work. Say, I have a special work. And that's part of the body. Now, sometimes we'll think about that just on Sunday morning. We'll say, well, on Sunday morning, what is my special work? And that could be partially true, but it's not completely true. So something outside of a Sunday morning, right, is going over and calling someone up. You know, giving them a hand with their plumbing. Helping them figure out their taxes putting a song together, seeing how they're doing. I mean, it could be numerous things, putting a painting together, watching their kid. I mean, praying for them. 
Right? There's tons of things that are outside, working on their car, working on their yard. Putting a budget together. That's you, whatever it is, right? Singing them a song. <laughs> Tell them how much you appreciate them. Tell them the special things about them. Calling just to listen. Showing up just to sit in the, in the pain and the hurt and the grief and the mess. Showing up at the hospital. Showing up at the birthday party. Showing up at the anniversary party. Just showing up is a special work because there's only one of you and because you resemble the image of God. Right? You resemble the very image of God. And when they see you, they see God. And they experience God. Heard of the concept that we are God's hands and His feet. We're His voice and we're His heart. And, and as we touch someone's life, God is touching their life with this special work, this precious, precious body, this family of God. It helps the other parts grow. There's something about this interaction that the church has with each other that helps it grow. Just like our bodies, every organ uh, functions together and interacts with each other so it could grow and become healthy. So that the whole body is healthy, it says, and growing, what's the purpose? Full of love. Full of love. See, it's our individual part to practice the gospel. When we're hurt with some individual in the church and we actually go and address it and talk to them and hopefully there's a place where you come to realizing what happened and then forgiving them or them forgiving you and then reconciling, you're practicing the gospel. You're practicing the whole reason why Jesus came to this earth, that there was a conflict, there was a sin, there was this brokenness between us and him and the same thing between you and someone. And because he forgave us and brought us back together to him to be in relationship, you bring each other back to become in relationship again. You're practicing it. It's not that will you get hurt by someone. You are going to get hurt by someone And that's the practice of it. That's the practice of love. The practice of love is not for every, because everything's fine. The practice of love is because everything is not fine. You don't need love when there's nothing wrong. Huh? You don't need love when nothing's wrong. If, something, if nothing ever goes wrong, you're never going to have to forgive. You're never going to have to confront. You're never going to have to love. God's love is that what? He gave His only begotten Son to what? Die. Because something went wrong. Someone died. Right? If nothing ever went wrong in this world, we would never die. That's where death came from. Something went wrong. came from sin. So therefore, love in practice is when something goes wrong. And that's our special work. See, the help others' parts to grow as you see the whole body to become healthy, that's where health comes from. We need to know and see what it is like to see people in a healthy way talk, hear, listen, see each other's perspective, admit our own wrongs, ask for forgiveness, and forgive others, reconcile, and love others unconditionally. That's the health. The health doesn't come by everything being perfect and right. And that's our concept of the church because we think, because God is perfect, now the church and the people in it are going to be perfect. And as soon as they're not perfect with me and they hurt me, like my mom hurt me, my dad hit me, my friends hurt me, my work hurt me, societies hurt me, they're just like everybody else and it's over. And we write them off when we forget that it's our job to even show them in the hurt that they hurt with us what it's like to forgive as Christ forgave us. And that breeds health. If they don't learn it, if I don't learn it, if someone else doesn't learn what it is to be healthy, to deal with things healthy, we'll never ever grow. Up into love. Growing and full of love. That's the goal. So the goal of our doing as individual parts in the, as individual part in the church is the next one. What is the goal of our doing? So there's a doing. What's the goal of it? 1 Peter 1.22 says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. All right? So 
We obeyed by saying, I will believe and accept Jesus. And that happened because Jesus came into our life and the cleansing came that way. It's not something that we did, it was something, did, it was something that we received. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. That's the goal. The goal is for you to fall deeply in love with each other. Somebody say that. Fall deeply in love with each other. Say it again. Fall deeply in love with each other. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Okay. Make you feel a little comfortable? It made me feel a little comfortable too hearing you talk like that. But the reason we need to hear it that way is that I don't think you came to church this morning saying I'm going to come to church so I can learn to fall deeply in love with each other. How would it be that by us falling deeply in love with each other, the goal of the church? Because they asked Jesus one day, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he said to love your God with all your heart, all your might, and all your strength. But he also said to love your neighbor as yourself. And both of them are basically the same and unseparable. If you say you love God, John says, and you hate your brother, you're a liar, and the love of God is not in you. Why is it that loving deeply, deeply loving each other, why is that? It's because it shows that we are imaging the love of the Father. It shows that we have the love of God in us, it just doesn't show it as a show, like, look at me. It's an experience of what it means to truly be human, truly be in the image bearer of God. And I'm not talking simple human, I'm talking holy, righteous. See, God's love is righteous and holy. It's set apart. It's different. It's like none other. That's why it's like none other to deeply love each other. You will not find deeply love each other in your work. You will not find deeply love each other in your school. You will not find deeply love each other in your sports. You will not find deeply love each other even in your own family, amongst your own friends. But if we could practice that deeply love each other amongst other beloved, other family, we begin to experience the deep love. This deep love also deeply hurts. It's not a fairy tale love. It's a love that's going to hurt. Because it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost what you put your faith into, what you hope into, what you, what you trust in, the, the way you've lived your life for so long, how you've ran from love, how you've guarded yourself from love, how you've kept yourself from being hurt all this time. Those are going to be confronted, right? And all of a sudden, as you open your heart and you begin to love unconditional, you begin to also experience something beautiful that outweighs the fear of the hurt and the pain that you'll go through as you deeply love, as Christ deeply loves. See, God deeply loves so much, once again, that he gave his son. It cost him everything. Love each other deeply with all your heart all your heart i don't know about you but i came today to be deeply loved by you i, I believe that my part in the body of god part of it's some teaching and pastoring i hopefully um so i can get some love from you there's a string attached and for me to hopefully deeply love you as well and for you to feel that, that's the string. I think all humanity is looking for that. Now how do we fulfill our purpose as a church? Um, make sure I'm not skipping one. So the purpose, right? How do we fulfill our purpose? The purpose and the full goal is love. It's always going to be love. God is love. But how do we fulfill this purpose? Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, 
to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All ministry boils down to this. An exchange of information. An exchange of information. See, it doesn't matter if you have a men's meeting, a woman's meeting, a, 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 a Bible study, a discipleship group, a rehab center, a, a, a study on finances. There's going to be an exchange of information between you and someone else teaching the Word, the Word of God. There's an exchange. You teach, they teach you, you listen, you hear, you teach. Input back and forth. The apostles' teaching to the fellowship. There's going to be a connection. You can't do it via not talking and not seeing each other, not coming together. And then there's going to be intimacy, right? This uh, sharing of pleasure, the pleasure of eating a meal and what it feels like and what it, or what, what it tastes like and what we experience on our taste buds. This intimacy. Um, and then a connection to our God through prayer. So, Next one is, and, and again, I'm going to reiterate this, the teaching of God's word. The teaching of God's word. Um, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. With all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another. So there's your part. You must have the word of God dwell in you. So God's word's got to get in you. And then you've got to admonish and you've got to teach, Right? One another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, being taught by our pastors and leaders, teaching ourselves and teaching others. The only way to fulfill this purpose is there's got to be this constant exchange. We have to teach also. We've got to share what we learn. You won't learn and grow and be healthy by just having it in you. God spoke the world into creation. He, he taught us who we are and what we're to do. That's in Genesis. It was truth outside of us. We too need truth outside of us, but we also need to give truth to others. We are made in that image. We are to speak truth to others. We are to speak like he spoke, and that's how we grow, and that's how we're being human. Next one is fellowship. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near so life gets tough and there are times that we just do not feel like being together that's when we need to be together and it says don't stop doing that but come together Meeting together, connecting, encouraging each other. There's got to be connection. This is how we feel for God's purpose. Teaching, fellowship. Third one, breaking bread. For I pass to you, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 24. For I pass unto you what I received. So here, Paul is saying, here's what I received. Here's what I know. And he's passing it to us. From the Lord himself. So this is from Jesus. Anyone want to hear from Jesus? It's right here, right now. Check it out. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. How many of us have heard this many times? But how many times are we mesmerized by it? Every time. We, and why is it we do this over and over in remembrance? Because we need to remember, because we forget the Lord's Supper, the taking of his, his body being broken, his blood being shed. And then also, there's eating together, right? Eating together, guess what? I'm going to watch you put something into your mouth and chew on it. Is that funny? Okay, maybe I'm the only one that thought that was funny. I'm going to watch you drink something. Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ah, that was good or oh that was gross I'm going to watch whether your face goes into a smile or a frown because of what you just ate or what you just drank I'm going to get to know what you like and what you don't like and I'm going to share in that moment that's intimacy, that's connection, that's fellowship it's the same thing that Jesus will do with us I've said it a thousand times when we get to heaven he's going to serve us and we're going to eat there's intimacy, he did that with his disciples 
is something special. Ecclesiastes says it's a gift from God to be able to enjoy what you eat. So to enjoy it with someone else. That's what this is talking about. Having a meal together. Prayer. Do not be anxious. This is uh, Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Question for you. Listen to this. How many of you, and you all can raise your hand on this, or you can raise your hand on this one, please. How many of you have ever prayed and God answered you? You didn't raise, okay. okay. Let me ask the question again. How many of you have ever prayed I want to see them big and high, and God's answered you. There ain't a person in here that that hasn't happened to. Prayer. He talks about anxiousness. He talks about every situation. Why? Because we need to pray. And as we pray, God hears us, and God wants to answer us. I bet you there's more times that God has answered us that we did not notice than that we have noticed. So a real recommendation, write down some of your prayers, especially those ones that haven't been answered. Just, or even the little things. Take a moment, just put them in your phone real quick. Boom. And then mark yes, no, or wait. And you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. See, praying with others praying for others, and praying on our own. Those are very important. Praying with others, there's a connection between you, God, and them. It's very special. When someone prays for you, it ministers to you. It does something to you. It, it, it's special. When you're praying for others, you're, you're loving others by praying on their behalf, right? It even says here, be not, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, so by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So if you bring it before God for them, you bring it before God for yourself, if you ask for prayers and people pray for you, what happens? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. I was like freaking out two days ago or yesterday, I don't remember, but, uh, and I wasn't feeling good. I was very stressed. Um, and I, so I just started asking different people that would call me or that I called to pray. And kid you not, like, 20 minutes later, peace fell on me. And I could feel it. It's, it's like sometimes when you have this like blanket of anxiousness or heaviness, you could just feel it in your body and just feel it. And then, have you ever had that feeling where like someone took the blanket off and just like, I even felt like light. Like I was just walking around like, what's going on here? I, I didn't eat breakfast. Maybe that's why I'm feeling light. But you know why? It's weird. It's just weird. So, that's happened many times. And there it is. Prayer. We're almost done. What should come out of the purpose of the church? So we know who the church is. We know our purpose. We know how we're going to fulfill that purpose, right? It's always going to be the same. Devote themselves to the apostle teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's, it in a, that's, how, that's the how. That's the function. That's the structure. One way or another, we're doing that. Today we're in the teaching part, you know? The other days we're in the eating part. The other days we're in the prayer part, you know? But right here... What should come out of the purpose of the church? What should come out of this purpose? What should come out of the function of the church? What should it produce? And it says here, but you will receive power, this is Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel is what will come out of this. If we know who we are, if we fulfill our purpose, if we're building each other up in love, what's going to come out is for us to say, Jesus loves you. The way we are with each other preaches already, and then it prepares us to be that way with those that don't know us, that don't know Jesus. As we love each other, it prepares us how to be with someone else. We practice here with each other. So it produces spreading the gospel. Anyone, and the, the next one is um, 
James 1.27, anyone who sets himself up as religious by taking a good, talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. What comes out of a church that's living on purpose, that's living and fulfilling its purpose, should always be the spreading of the gospel connected with the caring for those that are in need. It should be care for anyone else that may be hurting wherever God's called us. It's funny that this sermon ended on this, and I got a call this morning from Jay at about like 10.20, and I was upstairs. We had just went over uh, the flow of the church. We prayed. That's what we do every, uh, day at, every Sunday at 10, and I was by myself just sitting, and, and I was just really doing nothing, to be honest, and, um, and he calls me, and he just wanted to see how I was doing. He said, I just wanted to call and encourage you. He says, I went to this tour yesterday, and it's of this place, this church that's been around like 35 to 40 years um, and I might be getting some of the exact um, uh, details uh, uh, not exactly accurate, but about 30, 40 years ago. And that there was five, they, at their year five of the church, at the year five of ch- the church, there was only 40 people. And now today, they have a state-of-the-art facility for health care, for people to get, receive really good, I mean, the best of the best. They have eight lawyers. They have a gymnasium up top on this building where they can play basketball, a track where you can run and walk around, almost like a YMCA. They have a a place where uh, men can go and live, like a rehabilitation center, and women as well. They have developed millions of dollars, and I forget how many, I, I don't know if it's 20 or 30 millions of dollars of renovations of homes and people that could not become a home buyer are now becoming first-time home buyers and this is in the like zone one type of area which started with the bible study again acts 242 five uh young men with the wife and five young men with the the husband and there were teaching this bible study and they said man you should start a church that's where it started it always starts there, it always ends there, it always stays there. And they have, um, obviously, just about every type of care that you could get. And guess what? It's all the church. It's not this business or that business or this organization or that organization. It's the church. It's whatever the name of that church. That's what it is. That's the church. Because I believe what the Bible says here. I believe that God is not going to allow us to look for someone or something else other than Him to be the answer in this world. And I know you and I want that. I know I want to be the person to save myself. I want to work hard, make enough money, have a good enough financial plan, have everything paid off, and somehow live uh, happily ever after. I want my kids to do all the right things, to have the biggest heart for God, to follow Him all the way, and to live prosperous, wonderful, beautiful lives. I don't want any unhealthy things uh, physically to happen. I don't want any financial crises. I don't want anything bad to happen. I want everything to go perfect. I wish there was some way that the government, right, could just do something in a certain way that would fix all this. I wish there was some way that, that maybe, uh, I don't know, something would drop down on this earth to just, like, you know, make everybody loving and kind and, and there would be no more whatever anymore that's hurting us, right? We all want it to go, but God is not going to allow that because God has already given us everything. He says he's given us everything. He's given us everything that we need for a life of godliness, See, the church is the answer. If you look at the book of Acts and the first church that was birthed, there was about 100,000 in Jerusalem. 
And when you have 100,000 people show up at the church, if 100,000 people showed up at this church today, what would happen? There's going to be need. There's going to be people that need and don't have. And guess what the people did? Because they are the church. And I believe that Jesus is the answer, and I believe Jesus' church, which is the body of Christ, is the answer and will always be the answer. And I am calling myself and you to this place of us realizing that we have to stop talking about the church like it's an object. Stop referring to the church like it's something bad or wrong or messed up. Because guess what? You and I are the church. And Jesus paid his precious blood for the church. And we need to go ahead and take responsibility for the church and for this gospel and for this good news that we receive. And because we rest and, and float and take our place in the love of God, what comes out of us should be loving to one another. And if that love is true, just like James says, if it's just going to be all talk, a, a good game, a self-deceiving, or will it become what? Reaching out to those that are loveless, reaching out to those that are homeless, reaching out to those that do not and cannot even facilitate for themselves what it's like to be cared for. I believe that most of you are here today on the corner of 8th and Pearl for that reason. I believe God's called you for that. It's much bigger than you. It's much bigger than me. And God's going to do it. I believe Jesus is still the answer and will always be the answer. Always be the answer. See, we can help somebody with a physical need and not help them with the most important spiritual need. Or we can help someone with a spiritual need, but never help them with a physical need. That both go together, loving God and loving your neighbor. And I believe that's what Jesus has for us. And I felt it very encouraged. Um, one of the things before I moved to, to Florida, I had sat uh, a few people down in my living room and, and uh, you know, my family mostly, and just talking about, you know, a vision that God has given me. And um, I've had about 20 years in business. I like helping those develop, like, a business, like some way to, you know, grow themselves as a person in their, in their career. I would love to see us, how can we help people start their own businesses how could we help people, you know, I, I have a heart for those like, that need help when it comes to addiction and a rehabilitation center. And so as Jay's saying, is like, man, that's, I told Jay the other day, I said, is there some building that we could look for or that somehow there's grants or money to, to be able to take over and have our own place where we can have pool tables and, and, um, and what are those, other, shuffle boards and, and ping pong tables and where people could just come in with their kids or, or guys or gals or whatever and just go have fun right in the neighborhood, not have to pay anything, where it's safe and it's fun and it's enjoyable and it's something pleasure, some pleasure they can have without having to get in trouble or get hurt or, or cost them so much. You know, could we, could we start a place where there's a, you know, aquaponics and you're growing these fresh, uh, organic food that people need at a good rate and a good price and give him, and also offer employment. I mean, there's so much that I believe God can do. And I believe this is what James is talking about. So as we fulfill our purpose, it's going to be spreading the gospel and caring for those that are in need. Now, I'm not too sure what you thought about when we said we're going to talk about the church when I came in, when we came in and we started today. And I want to tell you that if you've been hurt and you've been in church, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's, not, it's not something that, that I want to just pass over, but I also want to say that God will walk you through that. And I pray that he makes you more loving because of it. And I pray that you would be able to see the church as his family. And I pray that you'd be able to see the church as your brother and sister in Christ. I pray that you'll be able to see the church as the body. I pray that you'll be able to see the church as a temple. I pray that you'll be able to see the church as holy, royalty, precious, beautiful. And I pray that you'd fall back in love with the church today. As messed up as I am, as messed up as we are, fall in love with the love that God has for them, for you. And be the church. As the uh, musicians come.
to uh, play as the worship team, sorry, musicians. <laughs> yeah. And it goes back to the simple, not simple, but important part here where 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three twenty four, 24, which we're about to do, says, And on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave, it thanks, gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There are people that have not been able to partake of that bread and that wine. They've never received that God loves them so much that he gave his son. And that's what the church is. It's this big sounding board to let everyone know that there is someone that's willing to give their son for you. And we want to use every means of life to be able to speak that to others and to reach out to others for them to have that as we receive that as well. And if you have something against the church, if you think lowly of the church, the church is under attack today. And we've got to guard it, protect it, elevate it, love it, serve it, care for it, pray for it, and be it. Because you're the church and I'm the church. We're God's holy people. I'm asking you to forgive. For, go to that person and talk to them and then forgive don't hold others responsible for what one person has done or two persons. Know that you're including your own guilt on that. You're just as guilty then if you say the whole church because you are the church. But take, if you take today of the Lord's Supper, if you take of this broken body, remember that that is the church, right? The holy temple being broken, God's body for forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. May we be forgiving in everything that we do. May we fall back in love with the church. And may we esteem the church highly and know that Jesus loved and died for the church. I want to invite you to that today. And I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. But I ask you to open your heart once again. God, help me to love and cherish the church. In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for this time. And I pray again that you would just grab our hearts and help us to love you and help us to see you Help us to see the church in its proper place. In Jesus' name.